everybody. Welcome to the New Market Alliance Church podcast. For more information on the vision, programs, and news of our church, be sure to check us out at www.newmarketalliance.ca. We'd like to encourage you as well that no podcast, no matter how good, can substitute for the experience of joining together in person at a worship celebration. That's where God really meets people, often through the love and ministry of others. At NAC, we meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. Now let's join this week's teaching. So, welcome this morning, and uh, we are continuing our series on holy discontent. And so, uh, this morning, it's my turn to share a holy discontent while Jonathan is on holidays. So, he's off having a well-deserved vacation with his family, and you are here with me and us, and we are going to have a look at uh, disunity. And uh, disunity is something that is on my heart that uh, I have a hard time with when we don't get along. I don't know if you've ever been in that conversation where you notice all of a sudden two of the people in the conversation are starting to get a little heated about their two points of view. And you might be the third person watching this happen. And if you're like me, you start to feel like, okay, maybe we should just like dial that down just one notch. And no, they dial it up a notch. And then they dial it up a notch. And you're going, okay, well, guys, let's... um." So how about uh, yay for the raptors? And they got to get that point across and it gets really escalating and all of a sudden you feel there's disunity in that conversation. It can be really, really uncomfortable. But this kind of disunity goes much deeper than just that surface kind of feeling. Uh, the definition of disunity in the dictionary or in online says that disagreement and conflict within a group. So that's pretty basic. And when you Google disunity, you get statements like, disunity is the story of America, conflict, competition. Disunity are at the heart of the formation of the United States. This is a country that has always been divided. Like, serious. Disobedience is one of the causes that lead to disunity. Much of that strife with which we experience on earth is characterized by a lack of harmony. These are all really good examples, and they're not from church sites, they're not spiritual in any way, it's just there is tons of disunity everywhere you look. Companies that can't really organize their, um, their staffing, and CEOs that have trouble with bickering and arguing, and people that are more concerned about this person in this desk and in this office, and why didn't I get a window, and like, disunity is a really big common thing, and it's something that breaks down relationships in every sector of society, in every branch. But I think if I look at even where this holy discontent topic is going, this is something close to God's heart and something that I think we need to have a look at in the church. So if we, even if we look at Pastor Jonathan's message from last week, there's a lot that he said that I could repeat because prejudice is a big part of what brings disunity. And this summer, if you miss one of the Sundays in our series, you can go to the podcast and listen to some of the other messages that are available in this series. But today I want to look at the holy discontent of disunity and seeing our differences and how that divides us. But seeing what we have in common, how that can really unite us. 
And today I hope we can look at the church, and I'm going to say the big C church, which includes all of the churches, and see how it's God's design for us to be unified. And even though I actually think it is impossible because of our human nature and sin in the world, it is still something worth, worth striving for. And it's something that I think God wants us to pursue and to pursue with heart and to pursue with um, persistence. So I just want to pray quickly. Dear Jesus, thank you for this time together. Thank you for churches all over Newmarket that are singing the same songs this morning and that are lifting your name on high. I pray that we could be a light in this world and that we could shine together for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, unity. Unity is a state of being united or joined as a whole. I love that because later when we look at the scripture, this idea of joined as a whole is actually God's idea. And so that the dictionary represents the Bible, people might not even know that, but that's the truth. And I believe it breaks God's heart to see us, his followers, divided and not working in unity. I do understand why people that are different can't find common ground. But in the church, Jesus Christ should be our common ground. God our Father should be our common ground. And how can we not find that unity? Well, why is this my holy discontent? Well, I wondered that myself and just wondered if it's my people-pleasing side that just wants to avoid conflict. And is it close to my heart because in marriage, this is a hard thing to achieve and I know how hard you have to work at it sometimes. Disunity feels so empty and lost, whereas unity, when you feel that true togetherness, it's so secure and comforting. It's just a good place to be in unity. Well, on my quest to find out why God put this on my heart when Jonathan raised the topic, my search took me back to university. And I realized that unity, particularly church unity, was something on my heart even in my early 20s. So I hope you'll indulge me with a little story this morning. I was dreadfully afraid that I wouldn't be able to manage university, academically and socially. It was just not my strength. I was pretty sheltered growing up, and pretty much my family was also our friend group and, of course, our church. I continued to live at home uh, through university, mostly for economic reasons, and I was very involved in the church that I attended, and I wasn't worried about friends. I had a good group. I had a youth group. Um, youth group at that time, we stayed there until we were in our 20s, so it's great. Um, and many of those friends I still cherish today and keep in contact with. But university was a big, big place for me. I don't know if there would have been a lift church or something like that uh, for me at that time if I would have ventured into it, but um, there was nothing really like that. So I only had to survive my next three years and I would be like moving on to something else. But in my second year, something changed. Everything changed. My world got so much bigger. I met a friend. Well, not Mike. And it sounds a little pathetic to say that I met one friend in university, but it's true. So, but God knows us and gives us what we need. And when Catherine and I first realized we were both Christians, we were thrilled. It was like this gift that God gave us. And it didn't take us long to connect on many levels. It was instant. And she still is one of my closest friends to this day. And she pushed me farther in my faith than anyone ever had. And we could keep pace with each other, which was something I hadn't experienced before. 
And we just really grew, grew close and deep in our, especially in our walk with Jesus. Well, but there was one puzzle. She grew up in a United Church, and I grew up in a Baptist Church. Now, if you know anything about those traditions, they probably don't mix all that much. And I couldn't even believe it that there was a Christian from the United Church. I was so prejudiced in my point of view because I hadn't been exposed to a lot of what actually happened in the United Church or actually friends from a United Church or someone that shared Jesus with me. It was my whole paradigm started to change. My Christian circle became a lot bigger, and we both had things that we didn't agree with within our denominations. Some things were too strict, some things were too loose, but we both learned to bless our heritage and the churches we grew up in by getting to know each other. Our families influenced us for sure, but we both loved the church, and even though our traditions were different, they both led us to Christ. So shortly thereafter, we started praying together about our futures, and God gave us this vision of a movie ministry. And we were going to start this movie ministry for young people in Kitchener-Waterloo. Uh, there wasn't really anything to bring young people together, or so we complained. So we created an interdenominational ministry called Through the Pipeline. And we rented a high school auditorium, and we rented movies. At that time, they were those big reel-to-reel -reel movies from the Billy Graham Association mostly, some from other sources as well. And I think when they sent out those big reels in that big packaging, and they, they had no idea that they were sending it to two girls in their parents' basement, because it just really, they wouldn't have had a picture of what we were doing. But anyways, uh, we had to sign out a film projector from the library just so we could watch them. And we were committed to pay for everything with the money that we raised from just people coming to see the movies and then a few church donations. We went to my pastor to explain to him what we were doing, and he gave us a chance to talk to the ministerial in KW. This is a group of about 50 to 60 pastors that met on a regular basis, and they did a lot of things in the community together. KW has a lot of churches and a large Christian community. So you can imagine that there would be a mixed response when these two girls come and approach the ministerial. So from some of the pastors, we got things like, uh, that's something our youth wouldn't be interested in. Or, oh, that's nice, ladies. Good luck with that. Or we got, um, okay, you can send me a poster. Or I'll have to talk to my youth pastor. And there were even some pastors that could barely sit through the presentation because two girls were given time to speak. So you can understand that there was a big difference of what was going on in that community. And I thank Jonathan for a message a couple of weeks ago for his support for women in leadership. And it's um, my privilege to actually serve with Jonathan and the way that he um, feels about women in leadership and the women in this church being involved in, and having a voice and the work that you do uh, for the kingdom. Uh, you can listen to that on a podcast as well if you're interested. Well, anyways, we were hoping to get a poster in every church by the end and by the end of our campaigning, we sent out a mailing to about 60 churches. And in the end, we did not have to give any of our own money to our project, and we paid our parents back too. And we had a movie. Um, we had a movie every, all, every month for two years, and sometimes we had up to 200 people come, and there were some months where we had about 30 people come. 
We had two people actually respond to an altar call, which was a thrill. And we just had story upon story about encouraging talks that friends had with friends about the movies. And you have to appreciate, this was at a time when Christian movies were just crossing over into a little bit more of a respectable genre. They had like, you know, real acting and a bit of live action and... It was like not too bad. I'm sure if I would see one of those movies now, I would wonder, oh my goodness, what were we thinking? But it was, it was what God asked us to do, and so we responded. But I think one of the successes of that venture was that our vision included uniting churches. We were naive enough to give it a try. Her United Church experience and my German Baptist experience wouldn't mesh if we only looked at doctrine and theology. But we both loved Jesus, and we shared a vision, and it worked. Denomination didn't matter. We have a ministerial in Newmarket as well, and there is no way that we could wholeheartedly work together if we only focused on the minor issues. Things like hymnals and choruses and women in leadership and views on LGBTQ, these are not minor, but they're not the majors that the church is built on in the foundational things. Music and drums, speaking in tongues, the prophetic dress code, tie, no tie, dress below the knee. Back in my youth days, I could wear pants to church, but only on a Wednesday, not on a Sunday. And I think that even now sometimes you might feel like I dress up a lot for church. Not because I have to, but because I want to, or because there's still maybe a little voice back there that's saying, maybe you should put on a dress. You're going to church. I don't know. But it's certainly not because you have to. But at that time, there were differences. And you honored your tradition, but wearing a dress or wearing pants was not the major things. Those were minor things. And if I made the minor things my issue, I would never have been able to appreciate the major things that my church taught me and the things that I learned while being in the fellowship of that congregation. There are many denominations and many different churches that share the same heart to look to Jesus as our example. But often, churches don't venture out cross-denominational borders because maybe it's a fear. Maybe it's like me. There's not an awareness of what the other denominations are like. Maybe it's just a bad experience. But I think for us to get the full impact in our community, the church has to be seen as one. Now, I'm not a student of church history, and I don't even understand all the differences, so I'm not even going to pretend like I do. But I do want to give you just a quick, I don't know, just maybe a quick explanation for our purposes today. And I'm so sorry if you are actually a student of church history because you should definitely be up here, not me. But I read that in the US alone, there are more than a thousand denominations. And to say that the church is divided is an understatement. There are so many branches and wings and every one of us, everyone professing diverse and even conflicting beliefs. But how would someone even go about choosing a church in a day an age like today, if you do not have a church experience. Uh, maybe like our video this morning, uh, it's about skinny jeans and frayed pants and whatever else. But again, minors, not majors. And we really do have to laugh at, it, at ourselves sometimes just to keep it all in perspective. A denomination is basically just an organization or an association or a fellowship that unites local congregations. It creates an umbrella for what I think is mostly accountability, 
Um, there's legal and administrative purposes. There's also um, a statement of faith and a shared belief and a common, um, let's call it a statement of faith, where the vision and values align. And so, therefore, a denomination is created. Uh, they may have a similar worship style, but they may not necessarily have the same style. Denominations came into being when Christianity was progressing and had to figure out how to adapt to different races and nationalities, and then theological interpretations all needed to find their fit in the way that people got along. I saw a statistic, too, that there were over 20,000 denominations in the world, and it's just incredible to me, divided into fundamentalist or conservative and mainline and liberal and thing, theological belief systems like Calvinism and Arminianism, and ideally the church should be one. That's a very simple little like um, idea, but it goes so much deeper than just throwing out a little statement that we believe, oh, the church should be one. There's a lot to unpack in order for that to happen. But things, but events, some spiritual and some not so spiritual, reformations, doctrinal changes, ideologies, nationalities, all contribute to the differences in the body and create organizational issues. Some so that people can get along better and some because people can't get along have created. But I don't think they should actually create walls, maybe more like boundaries or maybe like good fences make good neighbors. But that doesn't mean you can't have a barbecue with your neighbor because you have a fence. We are definitely different. And some of the oldest denominations, of course, are the Roman Catholic Church and the Eastern Orthodox Church. And then came the Protestant Reformation and Protestantism. And I guess that's sort of the beginning of the denominations the way we know them. Some remained faithful to, to Roman Catholicism and the view that church leaders were necessary to prevent confusion, division, and corruption of its beliefs. And then those that broke away to become Protestants believed that central control was what led to the corruption, division, and confusion of the faith. Again, that is super simple. But what does unity look like and why is it so important? Why is the idea of unity something especially necessary among churches? At least I believe it is. It's important to me to see people getting along and working together. But is that all it is? Is it just a surface thing so that we can look like we're getting along? Because then I feel that we're leaning on the people-pleasing side. And would that be enough? Would that be unity if we just got along on the surface to make it all look like it's all nice and cozy. I think that people-pleasing comes from a selfishly motivated root. And even though it looks like it's for another person, I think it's mostly selfish. I'm not saying doing something for someone is necessarily people-pleasing. People-pleasing, what should be a kind and selfless act, sometimes can turn into a manipulative thing so that you stop chaos or you stop conflict or crying or complaining or discomfort or something that you feel you need to fix. That's when we just put a Band-Aid on something to make it look better. So often that's how we work out our differences and we just want to keep peace at all cost. But sometimes there's a cost that we need to pay to actually work through why we're different.
But the Bible also tells us that quarreling and bickering is not a way to handle our differences either. So one of the verses that I um, chose to share with you is 2 Timothy verse, uh, chapter 2, and it says, Don't have anything to do with arguing. It is dumb and foolish. You know it only leads to fights. Anyone who serves the Lord must not be hard to get along with. Instead, they must be kind to everyone. They must be able to teach. The one who serves must not hold anything against anyone. That's pretty uh, significant. And then one of my favorites, Proverbs 21, verse 19. It is better to live in a desert than to live with a nagging wife who loves to argue. And I will confess to you that Mike has wanted to move to the desert more than once. So I know a thing or two about arguing, and it does not bring unity. It does not help the cause to bring you back together. So quarreling's not helpful, and people-pleasing is not helpful. So how do we find unity? Well, I believe it's found in community and sharing the major things instead of focusing on the minors. You can feel, let's even use our example this morning. You can feel happy that you are here at New Market Alliance Church. But if you don't become part of the community and draw your roots down deep, give up some of the minors that make us different and join with us on the majors, your feelings may change after a while. And then your experience will change. And then you won't feel like you fit here anymore. And I want to just welcome you this morning. If you are visiting here, there are lots of good reasons to come to a different church or come to a decision to go to a different church. I just love that pastors Brian and Glenda can come here and visit with us and share with us on a Sunday morning and that they feel welcome coming from the Salvation Army Church. And a few weeks ago, we had a pastor from Valley View come and share the morning with us. That is beautiful that we can do that. But sometimes we're looking for the right fit. The right fit has to be about the majors and not the minors, because the minors will change. And it's the majors that draw us into community. And God has a purpose for you to serve in the congregation where he places you. And he wants you to fully share what he is doing in your life with the people that you share life with. And I believe that's found in community. God himself chose to be a unit. This is one of the great mysteries of God, I think, how he's wired, how he operates as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is one of the majors. A holy God, creator of all things, chose to share himself with us in community. Over and over again in the book of John, we read that Jesus claims equality with God the Father. This is what so aggravated the religious leaders at that time, because how could Jesus claim to be also God? Well, Jesus unashamedly shares that with the religious leaders. He shares that with the disciples. He describes how he has equality with God. He says that he knows God because God is in him. He says they are one. Jesus also affirms his deity with his disciples, and he says, if you really knew me, you would know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Then Philip said, Lord, show us the father and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the father. 
How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing your work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidences of the miracles themselves. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Wow. Jesus prayed also for this kind of unity. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So which denomination was Jesus praying for there? I'm not going to answer that. God created the universe. He has control over the seas and the stars. He designed you and me before we were born. He knew about us when that verse was written. He knew that we would hear the message and believe in 2019. And yet he chose to reveal himself in a way that actually bound him into a human body to become the way for us to be free and have relationship with him. Relationship is so important to God our Father and Jesus our Savior. God chose to be in a unit. Unity is his design. And I believe unity in the way that the world will know that Jesus was sent for them. True unity is something I believe we need to fight for, not just to people please or sit on the sidelines, but strive for oneness, sacrificing for the common good. And that requires sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. We even have a part in that unity now because the Holy Spirit resides in us. Perhaps there's a sacrifice or a personal cost. There's definitely a giving in on the minors, no doubt about it. Sometimes confession of whatever those things are that are getting in the way of us having greater unity. But it's worth the reward. It's only There's only one message, and even though there are many ways to share it, we may have style differences, we may have different theological perspectives, we may organize things differently, but it requires us to determine what are those major things that we can agree on and how can we work together. Paul urged the Ephesians, he actually pleaded with the Ephesians actually in Ephesians 4 to be unified. So I want to read um, a couple of those verses because I can't say it any better than what is in God's word. And so Ephesians 4, starting from 1 to 16. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That is why I say, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. But what does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He also descended in the... He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. 
So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. That's putting unity in pretty high regard. As the body of Christ, I actually think this is our highest calling, growing to maturity in Christ, using the gifts given by God through the Holy Spirit to build up the body. But the body working together, held together by every supporting ligament, is a functioning body. There is a warning there to be discerning and mature in our faith and to test what you're being taught. And I believe this statement isn't just for the small C church, New Market Alliance, but for the big C church, for the church at large. And where my holy discontent really lies is that Christ's own followers sometimes can't, can't coexist for the greater good. I understand where society, governing bodies that don't listen to the Holy Spirit or don't desire to walk with Christ or they don't see God's design, they get off track. They seek selfish pursuits and they make laws and policies that divide and bring people down. But churches, churches are built on Christ. They're built on the word of God. If we're using the same scriptures, we should be able to find common ground. We should be able to work together. We need every part, and no one part is better than the other. Sure, there are a lot of minors, but we need to major on the majors so that the church can be united and people will see the church as something that is counter-cultural. There is so much divide in the world. Coming together would be a testimony to huge proportions, and not something from the past that has caused grief or division or racism. And We've apologized a lot through this series, and I usually listen to the podcast because I'm with the kids, but I want to apologize today too. If you've ever felt guilty or ashamed or embarrassed about your roots in another denomination, or that if somebody has put you down because of a church that you belong to or a belief system that has been growing and changing over time, there are differences for sure. But where God can be found, there is goodness. And there is something very powerful in using our gifts across denominational boundaries to serve together. And we can discuss our different ideas, and I think we will be richer because of it. And I hope when you came here to church today that there are lots of good reasons that you are here and that you see here in our fellowship but I also hope that if you're coming from another church, that you've exited well and that you have blessed the church that you were a part of and that you are embracing us with an open door and an open heart. 
Relationships are dependent on unity. And being in sync and in agreement and harmony, there's interconnection, there's a rapport that you can kind of feel, there's a sameness and a synthesis, and those are sometimes the reasons that you, cho you choose a church family that feels right or that you feel where God wants you to contribute and make a difference. But can the church actually be unified despite our differences and the individual commitments we have to our statements of faith and our vision and mission and the work that God wants us to do? Does it divide our resources if we give a little here or take a little there? Can we still manage our budgets if we're free to say, sure, go where God is calling you? And do we know how to feed our own sheep, let alone provide our resources for other people's sheep? It's a question and it's a struggle. And I think, again, it's God through Jesus demonstrating his priority for unity that it's worth figuring out. Now, many of you know um, that I enjoy Lauren Daigle. If you don't know her, she's a Christian artist. And her music inspires me. And um, at our last women's event, the ladies used one of her songs to really just let this idea of who we are in Christ sink in. I don't know her. I've never met her. I've never seen an interview with her. I don't think she's perfect. But what I do know is that her music speaks of God's heart for us. Well, what did cross my path was her being debated on the internet. And not because she sings about God and people want to stop her, which usually is what happens to Christians, but she was actually being celebrated for the hope that her music brings to people. But it was Christians that were attacking her and calling her an enemy of God. And what I could find out was the enemy of God was rooted in the fact that she had a certain dress choice at the American Music Awards, and she was invited to sing her song on the Ellen Show, and she accepted. Those were the roots of pretty much what I could figure out. So how can we, the church, work against Christian stereotypes when we're publicly bringing each other down? How will we ever let our light shine in the community if Christians are making it hard for Christians to be part of society and use the platforms they are given? We have politicians, we have um, business people, we have tellers, we have cashiers, we have doctors, we have lawyers who sometimes will find it difficult to balance their faith and their lives and their work. It's in all of us, this tension but I feel we need to pray for them and ask Jesus to lead. Pray for Christians that their example in society, especially high-profile ones, that they wouldn't fall or disappoint or something tragic would happen. We are all susceptible for things going wrong. It's just we're not as high-profile in some cases. And it reflects all of us. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill can't be hidden. Also, people do not light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. Then it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine so others can see it. Then you will see the good things you do, and they will bring glory to your Father who is in heaven. Our goal is to give God glory with the gifts that we have, not so that we'll be noticed or that we will get accolades, not to flaunt it, but to clearly give God credit for the gifts and talents that we have. If we, but if we work against each other in the church, how will we ever find the respect in the community? We have a hard job as Christians sometimes to shine our light, to get along, 
to present an agreement and yet still maintain our differences. It's not an easy thing that I'm saying. I want to give you an example just of how unity is being fought for here in Newmarket and a little bit of history. I interviewed um, Ian Knight to get a few of my facts straight, not because he's old, but because <laughs> he was part of some of the early steps that were taken in Newmarket to develop um, this path of unity for the churches. So our town was started by Quakers in the 1800s, and so that's God-fearing roots, and businesses and homes began to gather here, and there was a mill at Ferry Lake that was a very attractive part of coming to Newmarket, and it was a big part of growing our town. But the story goes that someone cheated someone, and a spirit of division was started over Newmarket. Well, several intercessors looking back on the history of our town noticed that there was more than our fair share of church splits. There was quite a legacy of division that has just been rippled through the history of Newmarket. And so they released that. They repented of the foundations of disunity. And you can ask Ian about more about that story because there's quite a bit documented about that process and, and what happened through that time. But unity is not just a physical thing that you can see. It's also a spiritual thing that is empowered in the heavenlies. And there's a supernatural element, again, to the mystery of how God works that is released when we strive for unity. So uh, a group of pastors were meeting um, for a uh, ministerial, and mostly the downtown churches had started it. A lot were the mainline churches. And our pastor started to attend. And eventually, uh, the Catholic Church, the Methodist Church, the United, the Christian Baptist downtown, the Anglican Church, um, many of our churches started working together. And things like a Palm Sunday walk or World Day of Prayer. Um, I know that World Day of Prayer has been hosted at the Salvation Army Church. Um, later, more churches joined in, and the prayer breakfast was added. And then In From the Cold. In From the Cold is a beautiful story of the unity of our churches. And In From the Cold started downtown at Trinity United, and then Newmarket Community Church took over hosting In From the Cold, and eventually the town took over the leadership of that, and now it's a fully integrated uh, program, I guess you could say, or uh, its over, oversight is now fully with the town. But it was started because the churches of Newmarket saw a need and created a place for people to go. Then uh, a few of the pastors decided that they wanted more of a spiritual mandate and started a morning prayer. So back, in those, back then, they were a little bit more spiritual. They met at 645. Now, they still meet, but at 930 on Wednesday mornings at uh, New Hope Methodist. That's an old picture. I couldn't find a really good one, but it gives you an idea. There are lots of pastors that we see throughout the Wednesdays, throughout the year that come and go. And I think that... <clears throat> and that, one more significant thing I wanted to share with you was this idea that space was rented. So they were praying at the church, and then they decided to, to rent a space at the corner of Water and Main, um, downtown Newmarket. And they moved their prayer time to actually that location. And the churches shared the rent, and so that became the location where they prayed. I think that chiropractic clinic, I'm sure, must be uh, doing well with all the prayer that, was, that had happened in that location. But many of our youth at Rock would go at 7 a.m. and spend hours at that location praying for Newmarket and church unity. 
And the youth in our town have always led the way. It is so beautiful to see even our youth network now. That youth network has been going on for years and years and years before I came on the scene. And that's a long time. And it is still, the youth pastors still network and support each other. It, it is a beautiful example. It is a bit harder maybe at the senior pastor level, but our youth pastors have always um, led the way in that regard. And I also want to share with you an exciting time when we built the Habitat House. And this was a dream of many of the pastors for more than 10 years before it actually came together uh, in 2015. And under the banner of one church, and there are several communities uh, in Ontario that have adopted this idea of one church. There's one church, um, Brantford, there's one church. So we are one church, South Lake. And we raised $100,000 to, to be able to sponsor a build. And most of the volunteers that helped build that house came from the churches in Newmarket. And at the dedication ceremony, when the family, um, even at the groundbreaking ceremony, the churches were represented. And at the ceremony where the family gets the key, Pastor Keith Daly was able to dedicate the house to the family. And several pastors were given the opportunity to pray for the house and the family. All our politicians were there. It was, it was a beautiful uh, picture of the church and the community coming together. We gave out, I think, 52 gingerbread houses that Christmas to say thank you to churches and Christian businesses that connected with one church to support that build. 52. That's just a beautiful picture of what can happen when we work together. I don't know if we need to be reminded how much the Bible has to say about working together and how much better off we are together than apart. But you know verses in Ecclesiastes, though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Iron sharpens iron in the Proverbs, and one man sharpens another. Ecclesiastes again, two are better than one. Hebrews says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as some are in the habit. Unity is hard enough to achieve at each church level, let alone church to church. And in the busyness of running this place and the things that go on here, how do we make time to also make unity in our community a priority? But the promises are clear. There is blessing if we strive to work together. And it's not just for pastors. This is for Christians, as neighbors, as colleagues, as business associates, you in your neighborhood. We don't need our churches to divide us, but it's more about, do you know the person across the street and they go to Victory Baptist or they go to Trinity United? Do you know them? We have to make a difference in the way that the church is seen in the community. And there will be an advance in the kingdom, I believe, when God's people can find these streams. And I want to thank you for working together with us. We have a good history of working with the churches in Newmarket. And I thank Pastor Ian for the work that he's done and the, and the foundation that he's laid here at Newmarket Alliance Church. And Pastor Brandon for the initiatives that he took for us to be unified with the churches here in town. I want to thank those that are involved with TLC, which is really um, equipped and funded because the churches in Newmarket care. 
Things like our community dinners all over our town. I believe that on every night of the week, there is a place where someone could go to get a meal because the churches in town are providing it. And we have VBSs all over our town throughout the summer where kids come from all different churches to join together and to learn about Jesus and to grow in strength, to see each other from this school and this school and this school, and yet we can all be united in one place. And we had about 13 of us at NAC go and help um, Church of Christ with their VBS, with their uh, summer camp. Uh, last week or two weeks ago. And it was beautiful to be there and provide that extra support. And it's not just about the services. So it's, it's good that we can be together in, in services, but it's also our contribution out there in the community. So I just want to wrap up and say, I can invite the band to come on up. And there will be an advance in the kingdom of God when our hearts align on the majors. And sometimes we have to give a little on the minors in order for us to understand what are the majors. And sometimes it's not even that big of a difference. It's just something that we didn't realize or a perspective that we just didn't know. And again, if you study theology and you know the intricacies of what makes us different, I want to be very respectful that I don't minimalize what some of those differences are. But I do know from what I see in God's word and his call to unity that it is part of his heart and it is something that God wants us to work towards. And I think there are scriptures and there are stories in the Bible that demonstrate how coming together makes us stronger and better. And even though we want to strive for unity here in our own family, in our own body, we also want to represent unity out where it matters in the community. We want to partner with our other churches and our other brothers and sisters of different denominations. And I believe that where God is found, there is goodness. And we may not know all the differences or understand how it even works or why but I think we can find common ground if we stick to the majors. I'd like to close with Galatians uh, 3, 26 and 28. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God by believing in Christ. There, this is because all of you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. You have put him on as if he were your clothes. There is no Jew or Gentile. There is no slave or free person. There is no male or female. That's because you are all one in Christ Jesus.